I want to introduce you. It's really a special day today and a real honor and a real joy to be able to introduce Jared to you today. Uh, he is one of our missionaries to Mexico. Now, technically, I'm supposed to be in Israel right now, and uh, we booked Brother Jared to come and, and uh, fill in for me while I was gone. And uh, as you know, with things over overseas the way they are right now, we were not able to go. We had to postpone the trip. And uh, so I told him, just come anyway. I, I, I'm, I need a little break from preaching. It'll help me give me some. Even preachers need preaching. Amen. And, uh, and listen, I, I, I want to, uh, Miss Chelsea, you come back over here. Okay. There's Miss Chelsea. Can you raise your hand? Uh, this, this is, uh, Jared and Chelsea Muscovic. Now listen here. I want y'all love on them because they are PKs. A PK is a preacher's kid. Both of them are preacher's kids. And I, I, I tell you, we preacher's kids got to stick up for one another. Amen. Uh, I, I've known him a long, long time. He went to Bible college where I went to Bible college. Matter of fact, uh, when his father moved to North Augusta, uh, uh, you said you were seven years old, seven years old. And that, I, that's how long I've known him. And, uh, and they come from good families and, and people that are serving God right now. And so will you help me? Will you help me give Brother Jared and Miss Chelsea a good old-fashioned Temple Baptist welcome? Will you let them know you're glad they're here? Come on. Come on, Jared. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to be here this morning. Uh, we had a good uh, service in the first hour, and I'm glad for the second hour that we could be together and uh, share what God's doing in Mexico. Uh, I am Jared, like the jeweler. Jared, but uh, I don't have any jewelry for you <laughs> this morning, <laughs> but uh, that's how I pronounce her name, Muscovic, and then my wife Chelsea's with us. We got two boys, Grayson and Avery, they're hanging out with the kids. I heard they were already on uh, playing some video games or something, so they're, they're loving this church. They're loving <laughs> the fire out of this place, I'm sure. They probably don't want to go home now, but uh, we're serving in Medida, Yucatan, Mexico, and Lord willing, we want to have a trip in the future where some of y'all can come down and see what's going on down in Mexico. Uh, pray for us. God's been doing a great work. I work alongside Brother Danny Ward. Uh, he is my father-in-law. Uh, we started out together. We got with our mission board at the same time. He did Bible college. I'd already graduated. And then we raised support and went to the field together. And God's just put us together. I, I tell church, I told in the, the service earlier that you know the Lord's in what you're doing uh, if you can work with your in-laws, you know. Uh, uh, some of y'all might have some in-laws living next door to you and Maybe you're not too thrilled about that, but uh, my, my father-in-law is my neighbor, and, uh, but I thank the Lord for him. He's been a great help. One of my best friends in the ministry, and uh, he has my back, and I have his. I'm thankful uh, for him and what God's doing, uh, but pray for us. We are in the middle of a building project. God, back in April, my father-in-law, his father-in-law passed away, and so he came home for a short period of time with his wife. To deal with that and then shortly after that he decided he'd visit a few churches and he made his way down to Tampa Florida and he met a man down there uh, that uh, he's a businessman and he said listen brother Danny uh, God's call, put a calling on my life and my calling is to help missionaries fulfill their calling and uh, he says what I mean by that is resources I want to help you uh, with uh, building and, and land and right now we rent two houses uh, we, uh, we started out in the living room and dining room, kind of like a little L shape. We could fit 20 chairs on one side, 20 chairs on the other side. And we sat in the corner and we'd preach both ways. And, uh, and we filled that up within a year. 
we had to close the garage and make that an auditorium for about 70 people. We filled that up within a year. And then we had to make another uh, transition. We opened between the garage and the house. We opened it all up and now we can seat almost 100 people in there and we're packing it out. We had 12 people join the church just last week and uh, we're seeing people saved on a regular basis. Um, we put them in a horse trough. I don't know what y'all do. I see y'all got a window. Is that y'all's baptistry over there? Um, but we, we put ours in a horse trough. Yeah, give God a praise. You've got to praise for what he's doing. And listen, I'm not, I'm not telling all you this to brag on what a great missionary I am or what a great missionary my father-in-law is, but we want to say what a great God we serve that fulfills his promises uh, when we reach out to him and reach out and be available uh, for his work. Uh, but pray for us. That building that we're in, we're packing it out and we need a new place. Uh, we had to rent another additional building behind ours. We knocked a hole out between uh, the backyard and the, the backyard of the house in front of us, and we made it a kids' building. So we've got kids' classes, and that's growing, and God's been blessed. So we're renting two houses out, but we're, we're to the max. And uh, to buy property inside of that neighborhood, it's about $600,000 for just a little patch of land. Uh, it's cartel country. They're, they're building, right now they're building a, a skyscraper, the first skyscraper in the southern Mexico, just about 10 minutes from my house. Uh, you'll see Lamborghinis riding down the road and the cartel live there, their families. It's kind of a neutral zone. They call it the city of peace. Uh, so there's people from all over Mexico and other parts of the world moving to that city seeking peace. But I'm thankful God's put us there so that way we can introduce these people to the Prince of Peace. And so, so God's blessing. Well, uh, long story short, we were praying about a building and that brother said he'd help us. He said, I want to match you dollar for dollar on every bit that you raise for a building. And uh, so uh, my father-in-law called me up and said, hey, you need, to, you need to be looking into something. And so I got on Facebook Marketplace. I don't know if you ever bought anything on there, but you got to watch out what you're looking for on there. But uh, we found a piece of property a block and a half away, and it was just outside of the neighborhood. So it was about half the cost of what it cost inside the neighborhood. And we found a 6,000 square foot building L-shape on a half acre. And uh, we prayed. I went and made an offer. Uh, to the owners and uh, we came finally to an agreement and they said all right we'll accept your final offer and so we we said okay but I had no money we just had this guy promising to help us and in a short period of time uh, God gave us it was over three hundred thousand dollars for this piece of property uh, with the building on it and in four months God gave us every penny we needed to buy this place and so we give God the glory for that and uh, amen the um the, uh, the, our goal with this ministry and this building is that this will be a hub. We'll have our church, their resurrection, and that'll be a hub where we will be training national uh, men to be pastors and to go out and reach in the communities and in the, and in the villages and to start more churches throughout. Because we know the church is not a building. When you walk out of here today, you're taking the church with you because you are the church if you have Jesus in your heart. Uh, but we're thankful that we got a building that will help us to be able to reach even further uh, in, in the call uh, to spread the gospel. But you pray for us. Pray for, uh, Lord willing, September 2024, we'll be starting a Bible college. Uh, so pray for that, that God will allow us to do that. We'll be training these men so they can reach out. And then, uh, Lord willing, some of y'all are going to come down to help us. Y'all don't know it yet, but you're going to come down to help us. Uh, do some stuff down there, but you pray for us. Grab one of our prayer cards before you leave. Please grab one. A big favor to me would be on the back. We have um, 
uh, QR codes. I told the, the other service, y'all are, y'all are tech savvy. Y'all have a lot of tech going on in this church, and I'm sure most of y'all know there's a QR code on there with a little a YouTube sign next to it. If you would, please do me a favor, grab a card, pray for us, but especially scan that, that code and subscribe to our channel because we want to keep y'all updated on what's going on in Mexico. We want to uh, share videos. we got three videos up, and we plan on putting more. We already got a few that we're going to be putting up soon, and then we also want you to follow us with this construction and see what God's doing and that God will uh, continue to bless, and you can be a part of our ministry. You can connect with us as well, uh, but pray for us because our goal is to plant uh, a Jesus in the hearts of every Mexican that we can reach, and and that's our that's our main goal. We basically want to do, and I tell churches all the time, we want to do what you guys are doing right here, but in Mexico, and we'll be doing it in Spanish. So our goal is uh, not anything different than what you're doing right here at Temple Baptist Church, and that is to spread the gospel so that souls can be saved and lives can be changed and people can get discipled. So you pray for our ministry and uh, pray that God will continue to bless us. Pray for me and my wife. We head back in two days uh, uh, to go back to Mexico. We'll be flying out of Atlanta. Uh, Pray that God will take care of. We've got some special uh, needs unspoken that we're praying God will take care of. And you just pray for us. God will meet uh, those needs. If you would, please turn your Bibles to Acts, or not Acts, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and uh, we're going to read down in verse 10 and 9. I, uh, I got a chance, I don't, I don't know, Pastor Carter, if you still feel awkward about uh, signing Bibles, but I still feel like it's one of the silliest things to ask me is to sign a Bible because I'm nobody, but, uh, but I'll do it for people. And, and I've noticed most preachers, they put a little verse down underneath their name. And uh, this is my life's verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And verse 10, let's read. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Uh, That's basically my life story. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And that's the title of this message this morning I want to share with you. By the grace of God, I am what I am what I am. And I believe each and every one of us in here this morning, we could testify and say, you know what? It's by the grace of God, uh, you are who you are. If we were to take a microphone and pass it around uh, the room, we could probably go into next week, into the next service next Sunday uh, of how much time it would take for each and every one of us to share what God's done in our life and, and what he's brought us out of and what he's brought us to and how he's used us and blessed us in our life with Christ. And, and I believe each and every one of us can say it's nothing that we've done, but it's by the grace of God we are who we are. I want to share quickly with you this, uh, this morning uh, a few truths. We're going to look at the life of Paul, and we're going to see how God was gracious to Paul. And then we can take that. That's the beauty about the Bible. It was written uh, thousands of years ago, uh, but we can apply it to today in our own life, even now. And so we're going to look at Paul's life and see how God was gracious to Paul. And then we're going to compare that to our own lives and reflect and see how God was not just gracious to Paul, but he was gracious to you and me as well in the same measure, in the same fashion that he was gracious to Paul. So let's go down, look down and um, let's move over to Acts chapter number seven. Acts chapter number 7. Here there's a man named Stephen, uh, one of the early deacons of uh, the church there at Jerusalem. Back then they didn't have denominational lines. Back then it was just uh, the way. 
uh, if you want to call it the way, I mean, uh, you know, as, as a Baptist church, we want to think I was the first Baptist church of Jerusalem, but it wasn't even considered a Baptist church back then. It was just the way. And because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that's all they knew was the correct way was Jesus. And all these believers were following the Lord there at Jerusalem. And here Stephen was out and about, not just sitting down and trying to soak up what God could give him, but he was also trying to share with others what God has done for him. I want to tell you something uh, this morning that you're only going to be able to share with others uh, what God has done for you. Uh, and if God's done a great thing for you, you've got a great thing to share. And I want to tell you, if you're saved in here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's done a big thing for you. Uh, and you've got a lot to tell others about. And there's a lot of people that need to hear what you've got to, hear, what you've got to say. Uh, and it's a great thing to be called a child of God. But here's Stephen, uh, a child of God, right here at the church there at Jerusalem. He's out preaching to some religious men. In the streets, and these religious men, they didn't like what they were hearing. They didn't like that Jesus uh, was the Son of God. They didn't like that to find out that they were kind of responsible for uh, uh, killing him and, and crucifying him. And let's see what happens here, Stephen, as he testifies to these religious men. In verse 54 of Acts chapter number 7, he says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And I, I want to tell you, we know uh, that in the Bible it talks about when Jesus ascended uh, into heaven, it says that he was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's right there making intercession for you and for me. And we know that by the Scripture that, yes, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But here Stephen is, is testifying and saying, not only does he see him seated, but he sees him standing. Uh, I want to tell you, when you decide to stand up for Jesus Christ, and you decide to say you don't care what your family thinks, you don't care what your boss thinks, you don't care what your neighbors think, but you say, I'm going to be a light in a dark world, and I'm going to share what God's done in my life with others, because I don't want to see anyone go to hell. When you decide to stand up for God like that, yeah. Jesus will stand up for you. Yeah. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. Stephen, he says there, look down in verse 56 and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Verse 57, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. Uh, I got to thinking about that part. They stopped their ears. I thought that's peculiar. Now, some of y'all may be in here this morning and you've got a hearing aid. And if you want to turn me down or you turn your pastor card down, so maybe he's a little loud, you just turn that down a little bit. <laughs> and you might have that opportunity to do that, that privilege. Uh, I, I, but I don't have that privilege. I was, I was thinking, last time I remember stopping your ears, and uh, my mind goes back to elementary school. Can y'all can y'all go back that far with me uh, this morning to elementary school? And you got the monkey bars over here, and you got the merry-go-round, and you got the uh, the swings on one side, and that big old metal slide that, uh, that would tear your rear up if the sun's shining bright, and, and you just melt to that thing going down. And, uh, uh, but I remember a lot of times there'd be girls on one side, they had their Barbie dolls or, or their cabbage patch and they uh, brought their dolls to school and they're playing with them. And the guys would have their baseball bats and baseballs or football or, or basketball. And they'd be on the other side or just goof around on the monkey bars upside down. But usually right in the middle of all that, uh, there would be some obnoxious little girl that would get out in between them and start singing a song. 
And she's like, Johnny and Jessica, sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S. First comes, then comes, then comes a baby in a baby carriage, right? And for some reason, they'd always put my buddy Johnny with one of the ugliest girls on the playground. And you know what? Johnny didn't like to hear that. So you know what he would do? He'd stop his ears. Nah, 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 nah. I'm not listening. Nah, 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 nah. He'd stop his ears. I got to thinking these grown men doctorates. They, they, they knew the law. They knew uh, the Old Testament Bible. And here, Stephen's trying to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And then they turn and act like school children. They stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Now we read in 1 Corinthians 15.10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That was the apostle Paul writing, fully inspired by God, testifying of how God had been gracious in his life. But here we see him. And he's not called Paul. His name was Saul. If you study your Bible, you realize Paul wasn't always called Paul. He had a different name before he knew Jesus. He was known by a different testimony before he knew the Son of God. And uh, does that sound familiar to you? Do you remember who you were before you knew Jesus? Do you know what the community used to call you before you knew Jesus? Do you know uh, what your family used to call you before you knew Jesus? But then Jesus came by your way and Jesus changed your life and he did a miracle in your heart. And then God gave you a brand new name. Aren't you thankful for that brand new name that we have in Jesus Christ this morning? I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that this morning. Uh, this is Paul right here. And Stephen was testifying and being a witness and a martyr. If you read on, it says in, uh, uh, they cast him out of the city and stoned him, or verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Does that sound familiar? Lord, not lay not this sin to their charge. Who was sitting on a cross uh, not too long before that? And he was dying for you and he was dying for me. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, here Stephen was being put to death and he had the same testimony of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That impacted Paul. That impacted him. It says in 8 verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Man, that had an impact on him. And the first truth about God's grace I want us to notice this morning is that God was gracious in directing his presence in Paul's life. God was gracious. And if you say, well, Stephen was put to death, how sad is that? But you know what? Uh, it's a, uh, honestly, it's one of the greatest privileges, whether you believe it or not, to be considered a martyr for Christ. You know, there's a special crown for those that are willing to give up their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And for Stephen, it was an honor. And here he was being a witness to Paul. And Paul saw it and God was directing his presence in his life. Where were you when you first realized that God was directing his presence in your life? I'll tell you a story there. Uh, was a, uh, this, Earlier I couldn't come down, but now I can come down <laughs> and be with y'all. But... Uh, there's a little boy named Anthony. The place was Detroit, Michigan. The time was the early 1960s. Little Anthony was about four or five-year-old boy. His mama was the nicest way to put it, a prostitute in the ghettos of Detroit, Michigan. He had three other brothers and sisters, different daddies, just about all of them. 
Anthony woke up one morning between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mama, mama, probably wanting a bowl of cereal or something, and mama was nowhere to be seen. Mama had left, abandoned him, along with the family, the other kids. His older sister said, Anthony, I got a hold of your daddy. You're going to go live with your biological father now. And then we're going to go live in foster care with other families. So Anthony was put in a car and drove, driven to his dad's house. And yeah, on the outside, it looked like the American dream for the early 60s. There was a brick house, white picket fence, a car in the driveway. And everything looked good from the outside. But by the end of the week, little Anthony found out that his dad was an abusive, alcoholic drunk. He would abuse his stepmom, abuse his stepbrother, and even abuse him. Little Anthony would be playing with his toys, and his dad would be cleaning his guns and put a gun to his head and pull the trigger just as a joke. Little Anthony never knew the love of an earthly father. And, and that's what happens to kids that don't know love and, and they don't know and sin is trying to wreck their life and the devil's trying to destroy them. He gets involved with drugs and gangs and violence and ODs about three times, almost dies from each overdose. But as an 18-year-old boy, he's sitting on his couch one night and a preacher came to the door and knocked on the door and started witnessing to him and his stepmom and his dad and his stepbrother. And he went through the scripture, uh, the Romans road, and he got the Romans 10, 13, where it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And man, that verse, just like the Bible says, hit him right in the heart like a two-edged sword. And man, he was under conviction. Uh, all he knew was religion. All he knew was the Catholic faith. Uh, but he didn't know Jesus. And he never had a relationship with the Savior. And man, that hurt him hard. Couldn't get high. Couldn't get happy with all everything in the world. And uh, over a series of events, he's in his bedroom one night. And he keeps hearing that verse. For whosoever shall call upon the yeah. name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And he didn't know what else to do, so he got on his knees beside his bed, and he didn't come to a fancy altar, and he didn't go to a fancy church, but by his bed he called out on God to save him, and you know what happened next? He saved him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God that can fulfill his promise and that will save people to the uttermost. Amen. And he saved Anthony, and... Anthony got on fire for God. Next thing you know, when you get on fire for God, you go to church. After you go to church several times, that's not enough for you. And you realize, you know what, God's got something for me. And next thing you know, he's in Bible college. Amen. Same time his life was going on, the place was Cincinnati, Ohio in the late 50s, just a little bit before Anthony started living. And there's a young woman that wanted to go to church. And she was on fire to go to church. And the deacon of the church lived not far from her and said, hey, we'll give you a ride to church. And so they were giving her a ride to church, and they're getting close with the family. And next thing you know, through a series of time and events, the deacon starts taking the young woman home by himself. Takes his family home first, and then takes this young woman home all by himself. Next thing you know, this young woman winds up pregnant with a little girl named Lynn. The, the, the deacon, the mama, they cover it all up. They don't tell anybody. They don't even tell Lynn, the young girl. And she grows up right alongside her daddy, never knowing that was her daddy. She never knew the love of an earthly father. But she got in her teens at a summer camp and she found out the love of a heavenly father. And she got on fire for God. And next thing you know, she's at Bible college, surrendered her life to the Lord. Anthony just happened to be at that same Bible college. 
He's walking down the hall one day, amazing grace. How sweet the sound, the sweetest song that I know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> it was Lynn. He saw pretty Lynn walking down uh, the road, and, uh, and I assume Lynn must have thought that Anthony was a pretty fella or a handsome fella too, because next thing you know, there were wedding bells in the air, and those two became one flesh. Then shortly, not too long after that, there were cries in a hospital of babies being born. I was one of those babies. I said all that to say this, that it's by the God's grace that I am what I am. It's by God's grace that he directed his presence in my daddy's life. And he directed his presence in my mama's life. And he took them from broken homes and broken messed up situations. And he brought them together so they could raise a family that would serve the Lord. I don't know about you tonight. I'm too chunky to take a lap. But I just want to just about take a lap and say I'm thankful for God's grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace this morning? Aren't you thankful that he directed his presence in your life? Go back and think, as I'm telling you this story, your mind should be going back to some place in some moment in your life where God first directed his presence in your life. And you might say it's 1965, or maybe it was 1995, or maybe it was 2023, but it doesn't matter what year you tell me, I'm going to tell you that God was looking for you, and he was directing his presence in your life way before you even knew it. He was doing it before the foundations of the world were put in place. He was a lamb ready to be slaughtered for you and for me. Aren't you thankful for that grace this morning? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the grace of God and directing his presence in Paul's life and in mine and in yours. Not only did God graciously direct his presence in Paul's life, but number two, he graciously displayed his power. Let's go to Acts chapter number nine. I'm going to hurry. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And later on we see that Ananias comes in, touches him of his blindness, heals him, and he receives the Holy Spirit. And there we see the conversion of the Apostle Paul. We see where God displayed, number two, God displayed his power in Paul's life. Shined a light around him. He was on his way, on the Damascus Road, on his way to another town to persecute the church. And then God, boom, showed up. Now, don't raise your hands because I don't want anyone to think you're crazy. But how many of you in here this morning, that same exact description of a testimony you have. You were on your way to Walmart or you were on your way to the Dollar General. And all of a sudden, boom, on the hood of your car, there Jesus stands a light shining around about you. And you say, good Lord, Pastor Carter been telling this truth this whole time. Jesus really is real. And there he is on the hood of my car. And you get down on your knees and say, Lord, what was I happy to do? And then you get saved. No, no, no one's got that testimony exactly. But do you realize that the same power, the same light that shined around the Apostle Paul on the, on the Damascus Road is the same light that shined in your heart and my heart when we received Jesus Christ? As our Savior. Uh, my daddy, he got saved in his, uh, uh, in his bedroom. I grew up in a Christian home. 
I'm from Hammond, Indiana. I'm from the north, but I was raised in the south, so I'm a cornbread-fed Yankee. So y'all don't hold it against me where I was born. I have no control where I'm born. <laughs> but by the grace of God, I was raised in the south, and, and God was good to me. And it was May 5th, 1993. I was just a nine-year-old boy. We were at an old-fashioned camp meeting. I don't know if y'all ever heard of those things or got a chance to go to one, but the Holy Spirit showed up, and there was a preacher named Ed McAbee preaching on hell that night. And I went down the altar... And I got saved and God changed my life and he displayed his power in my life. See, I, I'd grown up hearing the gospel preached my whole life. I've been lived, I've lived all over the country between being born and nine years old and, and I heard it preached, but I did not, I, I knew it here, but I didn't know it here. I see preachers all the time say you miss it by just a few inches yeah. or however long your neck is compared to your heart. <laughs> uh, you miss it by that space. You miss God. I hope you don't just know it here this morning, but I hope you know it here as well. And that God's displayed his power in your heart. Because you know what? God can display his power in your heart this morning. I heard of a girl got saved this morning and God displayed his power in her heart this morning. Uh, and she testified this morning of being saved. And aren't you thankful for salvations in your church? Uh, that's a blessing. What a testimony to have a church. And yeah, give God a hand clap of praise this morning uh, for uh, the Holy Spirit showing up here. And uh, I was sitting there where y'all were singing and, and the, the service was going on. And I could tell y'all like to have church here. Y'all like to have a good time. And, and I'm thankful to be able to be here with you this morning. But I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for God. Displaying his power in my life and saving me. And I'm thankful that God displayed his power in your life. And, and I'm thankful that his power uh, doesn't change. It's always everlasting, just as strong as it was from the old time all the way up to today. It's still just as strong and just as powerful. I hope the Holy Spirit's touching your heart right now if you're not saved. I want you to know that you can come to this altar this morning and get saved. There's people that will help you, people that can show you. They can go down that Romans road. And, and maybe it's something you knew. When I got saved, I already knew the Romans road. I got a lot of popsicles and, and, and a lot of uh, different uh, sweets and treats for memorizing scripture, but I finally realized the difference when you know it in your heart, and I'm thankful for God displaying his power. And lastly, not only did God display his power, but lastly, he designed his plan for Paul's life. God was gracious in designing his plan for Paul's life. Look down here at Ananias. He went in to touch him of his blindness and but before he went, he had a conversation with the Lord. He said, are you sure about this? I mean, this guy's a persecutor of the church. Come again? That's like a, uh, uh, I'm sure nobody in here has had that attitude with God. God told you to do something. You, you see, Senor, yes, sir, we do it. Uh-huh. It's getting quiet. <laughs> um, but here, Ananias is having a conversation with God, and God's trying to convince him and say, listen, but the Lord said in verse 15, said unto him, Go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. That sounds pretty specific, doesn't it? God didn't just graciously direct his presence in Paul's life. He didn't just graciously display his power, but lastly, he graciously designed a plan. For his life. Now, this is the favorite thing. I know every Baptist church I've been to, that's the favorite thing to see and hear is that Bible shutting. Uh, I can see the airport preacher. I'm going to land this plane. <laughs> Great advice this morning. Uh, I got saved when I was nine years old. When I was 13 years old, uh, I went to 
upstate Vermont at a Bible camp, and God was dealing with my heart the whole week. And you know, I know we're in the South. Alabama's the belt buckle of the Bible belt. You know, there's churches all over the place. Up north, there's not that many. And you say, well, what in the world? How could you get called to preach in upstate Vermont? Well, it was the summer, you know, so the Lord was out there with us in the summer. It was a warmer climate. Nah, I'm just joking, y'all. God's everywhere all the time. But that, that summer, God was dealing with my heart and called me to preach. And I had an out-of-body experience. I said, Lord, I do not want nothing to do with this preaching, nothing to do with any of this. But God was designing a plan for my life. I rejected the call to preach. When I was 18 years old, I got to go to Mexico. And God said, I don't want you just to be a preacher. I want you to do it in Spanish. And with the only Spanish I knew, I said, no comprendo. Uh-uh. No comprendo. Uh-uh, Lord. You got the wrong number, the wrong house. You need to keep moving along down somewhere else. And uh, I got to go. I, I spent four years in Bible college backslidden. I wanted to do good, but I wanted to do it my way. I don't know if any of this sounds familiar to you. We want to serve the Lord as Christians, but we want to do it our way, like, like uh, 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 Frank Sinatra sings, I did it my way. <laughs> we, a lot of us have that attitude in our Christian walk, I want to do it my way, and that's what I wanted to do, I wanted to do it my way, and I resisted, and I, I switched Bible colleges in the middle of all this, and I went to the other Bible college, and my roommate was a Hispanic guy. <laughs> then, uh, on top of that, uh, the suite mate in the room next door, his, that guy was a missionary's kid. Uh, to his dad was a missionary too. Can you guess? Mexico. Mexico. I couldn't get away from it. God was calling me. And I, long story short, I said, well, Lord, give me a wife. Let's, let, I was trying to deal with God. Uh, give me a wife and I'm going to find me a pretty wife and she ain't going to go to Mexico. So I'll just, I'll trick God. Next thing you know, it's like the next day, right on the doorstep was my wife, like Amazon Prime. Uh, she's right there. Came to the door. I was like, Hello. She was friends with my sister for a little while, and then she became my best friend. <laughs> and God put us together. But I wanted to date her, and I went to her dad and asked her, and I didn't know nothing about this, but her dad was called to be a missionary. To Mexico. <laughs> to Mexico. Wow. I'm telling you, God's got a specific plan for your life. Yes. God used my wife, my father-in-law, and now, long story short, we've been serving for over a decade on the foreign field. And it's by the grace of God we're doing it. It's by the grace of God that we're able to serve Him. But I, I'm not telling you this story to say, look at me and look at what I've done or look what God's done with me. I'm trying to encourage you. I want you, I know your pastor wants you to realize that God's got a specific plan for each and every one of you. Just like He had a specific plan for Paul. Just like He had a specific plan for me. He's got a specific plan for you. Yes. But you may be sitting there on that chair of yours and say, you know what, I don't have the skill to do it. I'm too shy. I don't have what it takes to witness. And I'm going to these groups and I'm being held accountable to go out, but I keep failing. I want to tell you uh, that God's on your side. The victory's already been won. All we have to do is share it with others so that others can be saved. You know what, we don't do the saving. All we can do is spread the word and God will do the saving. I want to tell you, God can do a great work with you. God's doing a great work with us and I'm not even doing anything. All I'm doing is enjoying the ride. I think your pastor would probably claim the same thing. So you know what? All this time I've just been serving the Lord and God's been doing the work. And I want to encourage you, God's got a specific plan for you. Yes. Amen. But maybe you're sitting here and you're too afraid to ask God because you're afraid he's going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Mexico, Brother Jared. <laughs> no, no. You know, there's a lot of churches 
that need those pillars and those faithful people right here. God's not going to call you to the field if you're not doing something for him right now, right here. And you know what? Don't let the devil deceive you. We should be getting all the getting while it's good. Because the night cometh where no man can work. When we get to heaven, there's nobody in here that's not going to wish they did more. Every one of us are going to wish we did more for the Lord. God's got a specific plan for your life. You know what? He was gracious to do that. I hope you'll seek Him.